0: Oh, fuck.
1: Today we'll be looking at Rotova's Triflex Dynasty ADP from the FFPC in a draft that is ongoing at the moment. We did talk about this when we discussed Sean's upcoming draft in our FFPC strategy session that came out on Monday, this episode coming out on Friday. So we're going to look at what maybe some of the things we talked about in that episode, how this first round has worked out. Has Sean been able to trade back? Has it been a league where people are looking to make trades? Or has it been the opposite and Sean sat there with the 111 and had to make that decision with himself and Bjorn, who is also co-managing this roster. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you're interested in playing in the Rotovis Triflex format, you can find those leagues over at the FFPC, which is myffpc.com. Lots of options over there with startup season and full flow. We did the Dynasty Reanimator series, Sean, which will ongoing throughout the rest of the season and probably will be a consistent part of the the podcast over the coming years is with dynasty obviously we're hoping to, to build a true dynasty and take home some championships with that roster but that was true an orphan team over at the ffpc and those will obviously be available come next off as well so be sure and check that out when they become available sean i want to start off today's show by mentioning stealing bananas with yourself and ben gretch an awesome show that came out this week earlier this week looking at the trends of 2022 the reality aspect of that, how teams are playing, how teams are setting up, and how that will impact what you're trying to do with your 2023 fantasy teams, how you want to look at the profiles you're looking to target. So an awesome show there from yourself and Ben. does run into the uh, 90-minute territory, but I think that anyone who starts listening to it is not going to want to turn it off until they're finished all the way through. An absolutely epic episode of Stealing Bananas. So as we get ready to do the third and final his Overtime of the Week. Sean, how are you set up as we uh, approach, I guess, we'll not ask how you're doing so far in this draft, but how you are doing in life in general at this point. Fantastic, fantastic. I had a chance to go
2: meet a couple of Tucsonan authors yesterday, Adam Rex and Kathleen Glasgow. Some really cool books out by them that anybody who's interested in some young adult fiction, should check out A Little Like Waking and uh, The Agathas, a couple of the the big books there. So much fun. I, I think that reading just in general and as voraciously as possible, makes you better at everything, but it makes you better at fantasy football. And so I encourage people to get out, check out the writing, reading communities in their areas. But fantasy column is going really, really well. This startup with Bjorn has been, it just, you get that reminder of how much fun Dynasty is and how much fun startups are. It's been great. We've mentioned Bjorn's article, A Data Driven Approach to Dynasty Startups. Make sure you check that out. That influences what we're doing here. But let's jump into this first round. I'm kind of teasing. It's got the article up on the site, kind of looking through it. Sort of the three critical mistakes that manifest in round one and how to avoid them or even profit from them. Bjorn and I have the 111. So we're kind of at the back end of that first here. We don't actually have a lot of room to trade down and stay in the first tier so that gives you a little bit of an issue right from the beginning also that last player in the first tier not even really by my rankings but in terms of adp is a running back that can potentially create some problems for you as you're trying to build a team around qbs and wide receivers probably preferably in the startup let's go from the beginning here and i don't think there's a whole lot of controversy about patrick mahomes being the 101 He has that ADP. He has that spot in my rankings. It is worth noting that the downgrade for passing scoring or passing yardage in this format actually moves him to the QB3 last season. So you want to think through that when you're looking at Mahomes in relation to some of these other guys, when you're thinking about, would I make a trade down even a couple of spots if I have the 101? But Mahomes is in less of a position to deal with this real i refer to it as a quandary in the piece we'll get into that in a little bit more depth as we go along but he has such a clean profile is less of a concern from a passing perspective and from a rushing perspective than some of the other quarterbacks column the 102 is josh allen actually as i was even researching this piece i moved jalen hurts up to two so adp allen is two my new rankings, Allen is three. One of the reasons for that, Jalen Hurts passing peripherals in many cases were better than Allen last season. How are you looking at these two guys? And would you agree with my rankings and with ADP that these two, these three players are arguably in a class of their own?
1: I think they're certainly in a class of their own. Like, you know, when we come to the quarterback position and when we're in this particular format with the super flex element, I think they are the clear three quarterbacks that you would want to have in this, you know, in terms of value. Joe Burrows after that, but I think there is a a gap there. The one thing about Mahomes is, you know, with all the differences, you know, he no longer is Tyreek Hill and there's a cast of wide receivers that we talked up, obviously, Rasheed Rice on the, the Wednesday show. Sky Moore is there. There's a lot of options, but there's yet to be seen if there's a a true wide receiver one in that mold there to go along with Travis Kelsey. But the thing about Mahomes is with also of an Andy Reid in the scheme that they have, they're just so consistent in him putting up touchdowns, him putting up yards, that he is going to have consistent fantasy production. So if I was to look at these three, he may not score the most points in a single season out of these three quarterbacks over the next, say, five years. But I think if we add up all the fantasy points over that time, he probably has the, the highest average for those seasons. So maybe his peak is not as high as the other two with the extra rushing element. But I, I do think that with Mahomes, if one of those wide receivers takes that step forward is something that we don't factor in as much as we may not have seen his ceiling yet. We may still have Patrick Mahomes to have one of these seasons where if he has a true wide receiver that's stepping up and has a know 15 16 touchdown season like a tyree killer even potentially better than that along with uh, travis kelsey i think you know that's going to push him there I-, I could see these three quarterbacks being drafted in any particular order depending on who is drafting them and what they're looking for as a as a drafter I-, I think though the the clear part is that they are the the top tier of quarterbacks completely agree the
2: thing you mentioned there that it's always worth us considering in in some ways when you think about mahomes leading the nfl in passing yards and passing touchdowns the chiefs obviously from a full offensive perspective right there at the top you're thinking okay well that's sort of a peakish type of ceiling but season but it's not right and we're
1: in all likelihood it always feels like there's a lot left on the table with with this offense even though there's a lot you know they're eating a lot as well at the same time yeah
2: well To a certain extent, it gives you a feel for just how spoiled, you know, we now are as Chiefs fans. Because you watch the Chiefs every Sunday, and especially last season when they don't really have the pass catchers, and you're watching Tyree Kill go off for the Dolphins, and it just like this is a boring offense. It's not an explosive offense. You know, what is Andy Reid doing? What is Patrick Mahomes doing? You're like, well, what they're doing is leading the NFL in all these categories and winning a Super Bowl. So. Maybe it's fine, right? But there's going to be a season where you get that like Drew Brees peak season, Peyton Manning peak season, Aaron Rodgers peak season. And when it comes from Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) there's a chance it just absolutely blows the roof off. Now, again, we know there are some structural reasons why that can be tricky for a mostly pass-oriented QB, which is one of the reasons why a Hertz and an Allen are in good shape to outscore him in any given year. One of the things I was just mentioning there about Hertz is that last season he generated 0.09 points above average per play to 0.052 for Allen. So, a pretty decent size gap there he ranked number two in catchable percentage he ranked number two in iqr which is the qb rating from sports info solutions once you remove things like throwaways and dropped interceptions and all the things that the qb doesn't really have control of what happens when the ball is down the field on the catch basis some of those types of things so you're getting an excellent passing season from hertz as well when you're putting those two dynamics together, I think you can move him up to number two, but then we get to where I think there's some controversy. So in our draft, Joe Burrow goes at the 104. His ADP is the 104. I have him ranked sixth. We look to the next pick in the draft, Justin Herbert, the 105. His ADP is fifth. I have him ranked ninth. Then you go to Justin Jefferson at the 106. His ADP is actually eight. His rank on my board is all the way up at number four how are you looking at this group one of the things that i mention here and it's certainly not the only way to look at this but i do think it's interesting that when you're thinking the thing that's really cool about having a super flex format is that even the value over replacement discussions are not that simple because one of the things that most drafters are thinking is that you're going to have QBs in both of those QB available spots you're going to have obviously the running backs and the running back starting spots the wide receiver and the wide receiver starting spots and then you have the additional two flexes and you know perhaps even from an individual season if you ended up in a position where you got a bunch of the top running backs, maybe you slide one in. If you end up with a couple of these star tight ends, maybe you slide one in. From a longer view, you're probably looking at receivers in those spots. But because of the way the QB scoring is deflated, some you could draft to at least give yourself the flexibility to play a different position in the super flex. But as I'm looking at this here, One of the things that I think is kind of interesting is that Justin Jefferson outscored the top flex option. So maybe you're looking at that as being one of the possible baselines for replacement. Outscored that spot by ten and a half points last year. Justin Herbert was below the top super flex score. So if you're looking at as QB1 and QB2 or the Superflex spot and looking at the replacement types of dynamics there, one of the things that you see is Justin Jefferson, again, depending on how you're looking at it, giving you this massive advantage where Justin Herbert isn't giving you the advantage at all. I've mentioned at different points how the team I drafted with Pat, how Justin Herbert actually killed us last year, that we might have won the title if we had simply not played him. But if we had not played him and drafted somebody else who could have been Justin Jefferson, then we would have those points in addition. Now, not every year is going to work out that way. Not every season from a Justin Herbert, from a Trevor Lawrence is going to be disappointing. You're going to get some years like we got from Justin Herbert in 2021. But the dynamics of the scoring format don't really lend themselves to qbs like a herbert and like a lawrence number one it doesn't really lend itself to them sticking with the very top guys and number two it doesn't necessarily lend themselves to those guys gapping a some of the qbs in the second tier or b some of the other players that you could look at as being super flex options what you're hoping to get when you're drafting a Herbert and when you're drafting a Lawrence would be exposure to those peak seasons when they happen and the longevity that the, those quarterbacks could potentially bring where, I mean, it may be a perfect world 15 years from now, those guys are still going strong. And I mean, maybe some listeners are like, well, in 15 years, I don't even know if I want to be still playing fantasy football, but you get yourself this very, broad window to be successful with those guys now one of the things was interesting about Bjorn's article is that it shows within the last five years that the players holding their positional value has actually been fairly balanced and certainly when you look at QB versus wide receiver and then how that dynamic also works in terms of replaceability through the rookie draft specifically Or maybe you're going to be a little bit more focused on getting a Bijan Robinson, a Jameer Gibbs. Sometimes the drafts will be a little bit deeper than that, and you'll have four or five legitimate running back options. And you're like, I want to put those 21-year-old running backs in there. That's where I want to attack the running back position. So there are a lot of layers to this. And you can get in a situation where if the QB scoring that you get from your flyers or your lottery tickets is so poor that you can't be competitive and i think a lot of managers don't really want to be in that spot but the flip side of that column too is that if you build this incredibly deep powerful roster but the qb isn't there you can position yourself to Miss the playoffs to be in that range where you can draft a QB so you can replace. Now that's easier said than done. And again, a lot of layers to that as well. We know a lot of QBs bust. Bjorn's research discusses that a little bit. It's not simply a matter of going in and drafting as what's one of the reasons why we didn't draft a lot of Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, even though Richardson could be, I mean, he could be the one Oh three next year. That's very possible. He's looked good to start camp Stroud and young, very good passers. But you almost want to have the combination of both of those things, the best things that Richardson brings, the best things that Young brings in order to feel that confident about those picks. When you have the weaker QBs and they even score decently for you, then your team is very hard to compete with. If you have, again, I think that we're trying to accomplish in zero RB drafts through the years, where if you have six of the top 15 wide receivers, Good luck for any opponents competing with you if any of the other parts of your team work. So, as we're looking at this middle of the first round chunk. What do you think about the receivers versus the QBs? What do you think about moving down? Are you surprised that after such a poor season that exposes so many of even not like the individual talent weaknesses? I don't think that many of us are questioning Justin Herbert, but expose the structural elements of how scoring works at the qb position are you surprised the people are still this excited about justin herbert and then the flip side of that the number eight and number nine picks in this draft were lamar jackson and justin fields was all the way down to the ninth spot his adp is actually 10 i have him ranked up at seven how are you liking to play these quarterbacks In order. And then secondly, we'll talk about the wide receiver. What do you think about the quarterback rankings in the middle of the first round here?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba. A
1: lot to unpack there, Sean. So uh, when we look at these particular players, and I, I do think for me, borrow fields, and I would have Lamar Jackson as the, the next three in terms of how I would be drafting them if I'm on the clock and cannot move back and spoiler alert for this ongoing draft with sean there isn't a huge amount of movement in this first round so far for that but if we're looking at just straight up adp and how things played out i think some of the there's a couple of things here people want to get a quarterback in these drafts you mentioned sean and this i'm seeing a sneak pre- preview of an article that may be coming out but you you mentioned that anchor qb and these formats is almost turning into what we've seen with people wanting to draft running back running back at the start of some of their dynasty drafts maybe you know five years ago for example and what what you're looking at there is people are needing to get i guess what they feel is the safe option at that particular point of the draft now there is also some risks in this because as you mentioned justin herbert going that little bit ahead or going basically at adp there's not a huge difference but people are taking what they perceive to be safety and there may be some risks in that i think with the quarterbacks though that have gone here with Burrow, herbert uh, and then lawrence and that particular group of quarterbacks I think people are also looking at what you mentioned and the age profile of them. So these guys are you're paying a premium for those versus some of the guys who are going in the, the third or fourth round with I guess the discount of getting them because they are perceived to have a much shorter time frame left in the NFL if you're you know above 30 years old, for example. So I think that's been factored into it. I also think that with Justin Herbert, it may not have directly impacted this drafter, but there's a lot of uh you know, positive buzz, positive reports coming out about a lot of teams at the moment, but the Chargers seem to be getting a lot of buzz. You know, Keenan Allen, a lot of positive talk. You're always going to get some people talking positively about Mike Williams and you have Quentin Johnson in the mix. There's a lot of of buzz around that. And then you also have obviously Austin Eckler, who's one of the best receiving backs in the entire NFL in that backfield. So I think people might be, you know, taking some of that Kool-Aid as well as there was some tricky situations for them last year where he didn't perform where we thought he would. But I think people are still thinking... You know we will buy in now and, and next year he may push himself into that elite tier I, I don't quite see that happening where he challenges those top three guys and um, Trevor Lawrence the thing that's interesting with Lawrence is his second year last year was such a step forward and there's that intriguing thing of how does that affect in 2023 when he also now has somebody coming back into the league and uh, Calvin Ridley does that elevate the team we see now that Ingram has got a longer term contract he had a great rapport last year with his two wide receivers so there's a lot of things that people might be buying into that he's going to take that other step forward it's not how i would be drafting these because i i do think there is that part of people wanting the safety blanket off that quarterback and not you know taking the risk and going for the wide receiver in jefferson or chase or the running back options that are available there like a b john robinson and I think that that is what is impacting that first round. I think the, the best thing you can do in those situations is, for me, I would have been pivoting to, for example, uh, the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase pick. I know when we get to your pick, we're going to talk a little bit about B. John Robinson. So there's those factors coming in. But when we get to step away from just the quarterback position, Justin Jefferson, and you you mentioned this as well, he is on course to be one of the greatest wide receivers of all time he is approaching his 25th uh, birthday obviously but he needs just 500 yards this season even less than that in fact to uh, break 5,000 yards but I think then the five and that's in his career so far but I do believe that if he has those 500 yards before he turns 25 that he will have the most receiving yards at that point of his career of any wide receiver in NFL history but the other interesting thing Sean looking at the piece that you've been here with the, Road the screener is. People may look at that and say to temper our expectations because we do see Odell Beck and we see Michael Thomas as the kind of comparisons who really uh, had broke previous you know trends set by you know the likes of an AJ Green or a Tyree Kill. So I-, I think though that Justin Jefferson, without injury, is just on this historic pace. So he is for me after those top. Um, three quarterbacks like you said in your rankings he would be the the target for me there and the other part of this just when we're filling in on those quarterbacks i i was kind of astounded that lamar jackson uh was last into the the 108 i think that he for me is the the fifth pick once we go past it'll be a tie kind of if i'm on the clock and under pressures between him and chase as to, to who i would want there with with jackson um and then fields you know fields is also somebody who fits in i think to a little bit of the risky category when it comes to the trevor lawrence um kind of situation there with justin herbert but i would have him above those so there's such positive possibilities for for fields and basically what we're seeing now with you know anthony richardson basically people probably be very happy if he turns out to be justin fields but we've also seen certain limitations to his game from a passing perspective So again, that, that, that tempers my expectation. And that's where the pivot for me in a lot of those situations would be to the non-quarterback positions.
2: And that kind of brings me to the first kind of big point from the article and something that I really encourage all of the listeners to focus on as they go forward in their dynasty startups, the vast majority of which in the future will probably be super flex and That is that knowing that it's super flex is not the main thing that you have to be aware of. The main thing you have to be aware of is it's super flex, but what's the rest of the format? How many starting lineup spots do you have? How does this QB scoring work? Because if it's extremely favorable for quarterbacks, if it's like a six point scoring system, which is a fun way to do it, right? I'm not arguing against that at all. You can do it that way and it will elevate the best quarterbacks it will also elevate the other quarterbacks and make it so it's sort of a two qb which there's nothing wrong with that format you may want that as the format that you have and that is going to obviously shift our rankings in favor of guys like a herbert a lawrence a burrow those types of players if the scoring environment is favorable for qbs then you're going to move them up your rankings relative to other players the other thing is how many starting spots are there if the qbs are a higher percentage of the starting spots, so you have another good format over there at the ffpc just sort of their regular SuperFlex format uh, curtis and i are in a pros versus joe's league there that is now i think in its fourth year and we've actually still sort of faded the qb position a little bit unintentionally we've had some qb injuries which is something I'm always looking at in terms of my own teams and how that influences how I want to proceed because you can't stash a huge number of quarterbacks in the Superflex. And so any individual year where you have the QB injuries, then that team is tanked if it's QB heavy. So again, that's one of the things that I really am looking at there. But even in that format, Curtis and I have gone sort of QB light, but there's a lot more incentive to have a couple of stars if they represent a big chunk of the overall starting lineup in deeper leagues they don't represent as much and so you're going to need to have more of the overall worth of your roster spread across some of those other players something to think about there you mentioned justin fields you mentioned lamar jackson lamar jackson is such an interesting one and i think that he actually illustrates this quandary that i've been discussing because Lamar Jackson is entering his age 26 season and you're thinking okay well if he's Tom Brady then in almost 20 years he'll still be playing but we've witnessed a very different dynamic for the rushing QBs the issue that we have is that we don't have a huge sample to work through when you just have a couple of examples then those examples can actually be very misleading as opposed to illuminating. But when you think through the logic of it, one of the things that we're looking at here is that Cam Newton's two best rushing seasons for fantasy occurred in his first two seasons in the league. His last season as an above average player came at age 28. And so when we're thinking through how a rushing QB is going to manifest both at the reality and the fantasy levels, like how do they score... But also, how do they help a reality team in terms of even remaining a starter? Now, something with Cam Newton, you've got some shoulder injury that makes. it so... I, I was
1: I was going to mention part of the, like there is differences in what some of these Russian quarterbacks are doing versus Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton was lining up defensive backs and linebackers and you know trying to hit them. He was making contact. Whereas I do think with the likes of Jackson, we've seen it a bit with Fields. They're they're smarter with where they're you know going down i would say in terms of like josh allen is probably one of the ones that really puts himself out there to get hurt a bit more than some of these guys now who are seen as much more rushing quarterbacks and jackson or hurts i think they are pretty smart with how they get out of bounds and i know he didn't have a good season last year but russell wilson has always been pretty smart with that as well and not taking contact whereas there was a conversation at a point in their career with him rg3 and andrew luck that you know he was the one that kind of didn't take the hits and the other two did. And obviously luck retired, but RG three with his injuries ended up out of the league. And I do think cam probably had, he did the Superman celebration. I think he might've thought he was invincible as well.
2: And those are good points that these guys aren't exactly the same player. Even if they're rushing quarterbacks, Michael Vick is an interesting player as he was suspended for his age, 27 and 28 seasons and then sat during his age 29 season as he's coming back. So he essentially gets three years off that maybe end up being three very dynamic years, but you're you know, arguably saving the legs a little, the saving the legs, as we saw with Le'Veon Bell sitting out for a year, that doesn't actually mean the legs are going to be there. When you come back, you keep getting older, even if you're not using it. So he comes back, he has a huge rushing season at age 30, but is essentially done at that point. And so when we're thinking through the advantage that a player like that gives you once they get a little bit older. And one of the things that I note here at the end too, where Deshaun Watson went at the one twelve, I have him ranked all the way down at 29. I have no problems with anybody who, you know, wants to
1: I couldn't believe I couldn't, believe the, I couldn't believe the pack,
2: but that's about where ADP is. It's, it's only a
1: few slots below that, but he, 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 he really fits into what you're talking about and the article about, you know, People and I mentioned about wanting to get that safe option or get that quarterback just to have him. You know, you wanted that running back who was going to have those touches at the start of the season. You you want, you want to, and, and you're drafting them then at a spot where, in this particular format where it is super flex, like he feels like if we were having a quarterback dead zone, like he's a dead zone quarterback, and to be drafting him in the first round, over the alternative options, I have no problem if somebody wants to take Justin Fields, Jackson, even. Herbert, for example, who we talked about earlier, or Lawrence, but I just can't see the understanding to be taking an agent quarterback who has had so many issues off the field and then has had playing performance issues last year at that point of your draft.
2: And one of the other things with Watson is that time has marched on. And the scoring profile that he had that was very effective, sort of at his peak no longer really matches up with guys like Allen and Hertz. And so when you're thinking through what is that guy actually giving you, even if he comes in toward the top of his range of outcomes, now I'm not saying he becomes out and has a transcendent season. If he has one of those peak years that we're talking about, then I mean, he's going to be good for you in 2023 and that is possible, right? So this isn't something where it's like no chance, but you look through his range of outcomes, even if he has a good season, it's not going to do what, people I think intuitive and it was it was a shock to me I'm not somebody who's high on Deshaun Watson but when even I was looking through season, it I was surprised un- at-
1: even with that good season it's very unlikely that he finishes you know as a first round quarterback like he's not gonna be first round quarterback in ADP in 2024
2: right and so you look at some of these guys and you look at the Lamar Jackson who's been hurt a couple of times you think about a Kyler Murray who is discounted a little bit right now because he's been hurt a couple of times and may not be ready For the start of the season, you think back to someone like a Robert Griffin, who I mean, his rookie season, he seemed like he was going to be what we're getting from a Jalen hurts. There's a lot of information out there. Blair has done some research that we haven't put out yet. There's other good research out there about QB injuries and where they occur in the pocket versus scrambling out of the pocket versus rushing downfield, all of those types of things. And it paints the picture of a situation where rushing qbs are maybe not in quite as much danger as feels intuitive and yet one of the issues that we're getting for the rushing qbs in addition to all of the hits they take as runners is that a lot of those guys also have high pressure rates and high sack rates so again whether the sack is one that you see coming and you're being tackled on on the edge versus it's one you don't see coming and you're being hit blindside back in the pocket those are going to be different types of outcomes and really what we're thinking through here is that you don't want the bad pocket passers, right? You don't want those statues there because they are the most likely, number one, not to not really score that many points for you, but also to get injured. And that's one of the reasons why players like a Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, a Trevor Lawrence, a Joe Burrow would be elevated for you in Dynasty when you're looking over a long time frame. But you've got to be really committed to building out a great team around those players to get you the individual season upside that you want and one of the problems that we have when you sink a lot of your assets into the qb a lot of your overall value of that dynasty roster is reflected or represented by the qbs is that it's more difficult to build that power roster around them. So it's fun because there are trade-offs, right? It's not any, some simple solution where it's like, Oh, just draft this position and you'll be fine. But again, when we think of a Justin Jefferson and the actual scoring levels, now you're comparing Justin Jefferson in some ways in what would be a peak season to guys in more normal seasons. You've got to keep that in mind as well when we're looking at scoring levels. And if you want to just think of all the positions, the same and say, Superflex. The Superflex spot is actually the number one spot. Every other spot flows below that. Jefferson was only outscored by four quarterbacks last year in this format. So when we can get some players like that and we can get a wide receiver who's a foundation piece, who's young, and maybe you're looking at, say, a six-year window as opposed to a 12-year window, that matters. But we also get that long window from guys like a Geno Smith, a Jared Goff, a Derek Carr, Maybe you're thinking to yourself, those aren't actually guys I want in my starting lineup. But when you're thinking about how to build some floor into your roster, build out that QB position where you're not going to have to constantly be shuffling and constantly be moving. And you think about, okay, well, one of the reasons why we want to have these stud QBs is they're worth so much. And if we want to make some moves, we can't. We can get a ton back for them. You also can get a disproportionate amount for even the bad quarterbacks which is something to also keep in mind when you're looking at, okay, how many years are they going to be on my roster? Colin, again, I just, I'm getting so fired up for these dynasty startups. Thinking about the different tactics, the nuance, working through them. I mean, I want to get a lot of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase did follow the 110. We have the 111. We tried to make some moves. The drafter who's at the 110 was obviously thrilled. He has Jamar Chase higher in his rankings as well. Not going to make that pick. We go with Bijan. Bijan was the 101 in rookie drafts. We talked about this creative potential way to play it where you start out with a couple of running backs and then take a long string of wide receivers. That's an interesting way to go. We have Deshaun Watson here at the 112. So to finish out the rest of that first round, as I mentioned, Lamar Jackson 108, Justin Fields 109, Jamar Chase 110, Bijan 111, Deshaun Watson 112. We had one trade in the first round, which is, in some ways is a little bit unusual. That trade, I think, is you know, the, the right type of value, and the person trading into round one did get into say the top tier we talk about what do you want to do in the beginning of your draft take as many picks as you can in the first tier this was one where the drafter gave up the 210 the 303 and the future first round pick to get the 109 and then also moves down six spots in round three so essentially you're giving up six spots in round three and you're giving up a future first to move from the 210 to the 109 and that 109 then became fields which is a player who we think should go a little bit higher. I think that part of it makes sense. And yet moving down and the drafter who made the trade to move down, you get so much more optionality. I like that move. We then had sort of (laughs) this cascade of very lopsided trades. So those would be some of the critical mistakes that we referenced at the beginning. I'll discuss those in trade pieces on the site. Column, you and I will do a little bit more trade discussion. One of the things that was a lot of fun is that even though Bjorn and I were, I don't say forced, but we didn't get any sort of reasonable trade to move down from the 111. We had a lot of trade opportunities after that, and and we had a blast with it. So we have a, a pretty unique team and structure as we go through those first five rounds. Discussion of that will be on the site. Column, again, depending on how our other topics work out, you and I may discuss a little bit of that. But... Dynasty startups, so much fun, so much nuance. I can't wait to do more. We also have a cool keeper question. And, uh, you know, we think a lot about dynasty these days, but there are a lot of great keeper leagues out there as well.
1: Yeah, and before we get into the keeper question, Sean, one of the other things you mentioned there about knowing your league settings, and that seems like, you know, oh, you know, they mention this every time we do one of these shows, but it is so important. And and you mentioned in the article that if you're playing in the, the regular FFPC Superflex format, the quarterback would account for two of eight starting lineup spots, where in the triflex are only two of ten. So again, even when you're putting your draft capital into those players in this format, it isn't taking up as much of that starting lineup. So as you kind of touched on earlier, you can use those resources, particularly if you can trade down, to really fill out that entire lineup to be able to outscore even the teams with those elite quarterback options. Sean, the question that comes in is looking at a keeper league it's always interesting when we get the different formats so this one is super flex tight end premium but it is a keeper format rather than dynasty it's start one quarterback two running backs three wide receivers one tight end two flex one super flex he needs to keep three players and there's a few options to consider and would love our thoughts he said he will include the round of the pick of each player so i'll mention them as i go through so these are ranked Kind of an order of the rounds they went in outside of the last one, which is Sky Moore, but it's Travis Etienne round three, Jalen Waddle round four, guard Wilson round 11, Rashad White round 15, James Cook round 10, Jahan Dodson round 14, Jameson Williams round 18, Christian Watson round 17, Sky Moore round nine. So there's lots of options. There's nine players, need to keep three of those. I'll let you go first, Sean, and I'll probably just agree with what you've said then. But uh, we'll see here. So I i think we'll we'll rule a few. I think we can rule out Rashad White at round fifteen range. Yeah, I
2: can probably rule out White. And given Williams the cost, off the
1: field issues, I think we can. Rule yeah, we out. can
2: probably rule him out with the the suspension. Etn is so interesting. I I just so want him to be Jamal Charles. But with the round three cost, you probably take him out. You probably take Sky more out.
1: But this, I mean, this is a, a really cool team. I mean, we, we've got our guys in this one. We can say the one that the, we'll just go quick on the one that you're definitely keeping: Garrett Wilson at a eleventh round. Definitely keeping Garrett Wilson. James Cook is
2: interesting there in round ten. Just put an article out on the site about him. Anybody who is listening in hasn't checked it? Maybe you're trying to decide if you want to subscribe. It's. Kind of disguised there, obviously for for click and subscribe reasons. But I'll let you in on the secret. He is the next Tony Pollard. If you want to save some money, ten percent off using the coupon code RV Radio twenty twenty three at checkout. You can get in there, look at that piece. Love Cook. I still think we're probably going to pass on him as well. Colin, we love Jalen Waddle. He was my best pick in the second round in a recent FFPC main event he's looking at the best pick in every round in the first five he's, he's so much fun and he was on our team that we have been focusing on for the reanimators and we made a move where we traded waddle for jerry judy and traylon burks it's, it's always interesting too to look at these trades and then think through where they're going in the startups and how people are making trades in the startups and whether the same trade that you got in a more mature league. And now this league is just entering its second season. But once you get into it versus what people were willing to do originally, but then we move Traylon for Quinton Johnston. And that's a move that I still am not 100% sure how I feel about because Burks could become the next Andre 1500 this year. Maybe not this year because because the overall volume and and some of how it's going to be split. But you're thinking, you know, forward to that. And yet, I mean, maybe you end up having some selection when you're constantly checking out how your favorite players or your most heavily invested in players are doing. But column the early reviews on Quinton Johnston are that he looks good in that Los Angeles Chargers offense. I like that we've made that move. So we've turned Waddle into Judy and Johnston. Same kind of thing here, where at a fourth round cost, I think we focus on a couple of other guys. For me, Dotson and Watson are probably those players. So cheap and yet so much upside.
1: Yeah, so they, I, I, Wilson obviously is the first one that there's there's no doubt about. And if, for me, then, it's tricky to, to pass up on, on Waddle, but I do think the Watson, Dotson, and Cook are the ones that I would really have to be trying to dig in so we have to pair just three options sean so in this format start three wide receivers two flex one super flex you can start five wide receivers so that would lean me again to probably pass on cook and he's kind of the adp gap isn't as much the the adp gain on christian watson is which is the most extreme so i think it's him wilson and i'll let you pick the the third and because if it's me it's going to be dotson so you can pick the third one (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the direction to go. I, Jameson Williams is still in the mix, too. Dan Campbell mentioned uh, over the past couple of days that he needs to work on his hands, that he probably won't ever have elite hands, but um, they'll be good enough. So there's a lot of smoke coming out here with uh, Jameson Williams as to h- what we're going to see. So, you know, the, I mean, we're we have not that far away. History, we have the gambling history. We have, you know, the, a lot of stuff going on here, Sean. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous they're going to start being like, James williams needs to start working on his personality and working on i i mean sometimes the hardest thing for some of these players when they become pros is to become an actual professional and do it as a job and to act professionally and to have that maturity these guys are all super young you know we're seeing with Kadarius tony you know with the giants and with the chiefs and there's some concerns off the field you know it feels like there's maybe still a couple of years of maturing to do as a personality and and that can be tricky if you think back to you know anyone that's listening that maybe is that age but i know there's a lot of people that will be listening that'll you know be more of a mature audience sean like yourself and myself and if you think back to you know 10 15 years ago you're thinking like i don't know if i could uh, do this nfl thing keep it all together it's a lot it's a lot and you hope he's able to make
2: those strides I don't know what to make of it because you watch him versus those three Ohio State stars and obviously moves off of Ohio State to get to Alabama to get free of that. You can understand why when you've seen Olave and Wilson at the NFL level and you know what JSN kind of did to those guys covering them up in their last year together and then JSN basically sounds like he's been the best player in the entire NFL and camp early on. You can understand why he moved, but you watch him in the context of that Alabama offense and his highlights. And you know, some people are gonna say, Well, I mean, if you're basing it on highlights, then that's a very poor method for evaluating these guys to start with. But when you're trying to figure out whether or not the speed that is referenced, whether or not the big playability that you can see clearly in the box score in the stats when you're trying to figure out how that could potentially carry over and you're watching a guy play against the sec, you're watching him play against the best that defense has to offer at the college football level. And his highlights are so much better. He's so much more electric, his ability to run by some of the best defensive backs out there and to make them look silly. It's hard to not believe. And it was hard for the lions to not believe. And maybe we're seeing a little bit, why that didn't happen originally at Ohio State, why it had to be somewhere else. And yet, I mean, you think back to your Green Bay Packers and the time it took for some of those absolute superstars, like Jordy Nelson and Devonte Adams. We're so used to these guys taking off instantly at this point because it is easier now with a variety of the changes that have taken place in the NFL to get faster impact from young receivers. We have jameson williams on our dynasty team we're still kind of in the mix of discussing the trade that we referenced on earlier show i'm an optimist i think it's going to come through as dan campbell says jameson williams doesn't have to have great hands you just don't drop the easy ones and you're going to score some long touchdowns also jerry goff has to do his part there were some opportunities last year where williams had beaten his guys and goff missed him goff had an excellent season you're still going to have some bad throws in there when you miss a particular player a couple of times that sticks out when they could have been long touchdowns, even a couple of plays like that. And I think Williams will be looked at a lot differently. This is a great team. I'm excited for the keeper options that they have. Colin, we also have a question about auctions. We'll probably talk about that on a future show. I also want to recommend some of the old articles that Dave Cabin has written. So when you're looking things up on the site, you can check him out and think through how these auctions work. I'll be discussing with Dave. I know that he'll be excited to get his 2023 version of the auction blueprint out there. But again, auctions, another really cool format. You can build your team in an auction, having that flexibility is second to none.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Dave there. Dave's always my go-to for auction stuff. Uh, I think he's, he's absolutely one of the best. So we will talk to you up check out those articles in the meantime that might be on the show coming up this week but if you have a question that you want to hear us talk about or a topic or anything we talk on the show you want us to expand on further most of the content sean we talk about is through suggestions from the listeners the community and uh keep sending them in we, we love getting them you can send them to me on twitter at over to Maryland, or you can email them in at rotavisradio at gmail.com. that will do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly co-host as always is sean siegel check out his work on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast